Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by Vantage Point. It's February 23rd, 2022, and I'm Justin Nielsen, your host, and joining me, as always, is Arusha Pires. Uh, Arusha is a portfolio manager at O'Neill Global Advisors. Thanks for being here again, Arusha. Great, great to be here, Justin. I, I, it would be nice to uh, to be here on uh, better market conditions. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So before we get started, I, I just want to reiterate, we talked about this last uh, week uh, for the podcast. Uh, we have a survey that is out, and we'd love our listeners to help us out with some ideas of what they would like to see on the podcast. We want to get some customer feedback, how we can serve you better. So uh, if you could go to investors.com slash survey and help us customize this podcast for you, we would really appreciate it. So hope you can do that for us. And uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and introduce our special guest. Uh, This is Scott St. Clair, the manager of Marketsmith and premium products over at IBD. And uh, we call him the new Arusha, basically, because he took uh, Arusha's old job and in some ways, I think he's just riding on your laurels, right, Arusha? Everything that you started, you know, he gets he's the credit de- for. definitely improving everything. <laughs> it's a, the new Arusha with less fat, better <laughs> looks, and more efficient. More efficient. Yeah, okay. It's been super easy. I haven't had to work a day yet. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Well, thanks for being back on the show, Scott. And of course, uh, you can see Scott often uh, weekly on the IBD Live uh, show. And you have your own uh, webinar that you do every week to take on the market for MarketSmith, right? Yeah. Every Friday at the close, I do a 15 to 20 minute video on, on the market just to kind of keep people informed if if uh, if they'd like. It's um it's you. It's a lot like this, except uh, just myself. So, mm-hmm. so do you, do you ever get lonely uh, just doing it by yourself? I do. So I, would I have like Arusha to, have, to talk to at least. Have uh, guests. Well, actually, uh, Scott and I used to do that together used, for a little before bit. Before yeah. Arusha uh, left us, we it was, I know. Uh, it was me well, and him. Well, well, Arusha always says he didn't leave us; we left him. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but let's go ahead and talk a little bit about what we've got in store for our guests, our our listeners today. Um, who cares about our guests? Uh, um, <laughs> So we'll talk a little bit about the market as ugly as it has been. Uh, We'll also, it seems like a good time to talk about those selling rules. Now, we're not trying to go go into hindsight and like, oh, see, this is what you should have done. But it is important for people to kind of learn these selling lessons about exit strategies and everything like that. So if you maybe didn't handle it right this time, you can handle it better next time. And Scott will also share with us a few of the stocks that are on his radar, uh, what he's trading as minimal as it might be. So let's go ahead and start by pulling up the NASDAQ composite and that January 24th low uh, that we were kind of looking at as, uh, you know, look, this is is our line in the sand for the rally having been a failure. Well, we undercut that low today. So what's your take, guys? Uh, Well, yeah, so we're we're back in an official downtrend. I, I we we were under pressure. This leaves no choice. You have to put it into a correction. And I I think the one thing I just want to say is, yeah, a lot of times when you're in bear markets uh, or bear markets or bad markets or corrections, what call it whatever you want, uh, a, a number of these falter days are going to fail. Yeah. But you have to treat them all the same, uh, even though you know you might think that they might fail. You have to look for something to buy. And then you know get stopped out, but play really small. And now we're back in a downtrend. You don't want to use hindsight and say, "See, I knew that was gonna not work," because one of these will work. 
Right. The one thing I might challenge you a little bit on that, Arusha, is one of the things that made this a little bit more difficult to come in with any confidence whatsoever is just a lack of setups. So, um, yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. You always have to look for things to be buying. Um, that certainly is what helped me in April of 2020, because there's yes. no way I believe that was going to work. Um, but, you know, because I had that discipline and that routine of, you know, looking for stuff. But this time, gosh, it seemed like there was nothing out there. Uh, what, what, were, what were you doing, Scott? Justin, you know, I think there wasn't much to buy. And so, you know, you had this signal uh, from a market's perspective, but, you know, the the combination of merchandise, things to own just wasn't there. So even if you took the signal, you should have taken it very lightly. And the odds are really high that whatever you might have bought has probably rolled over and gotten you out. Um the, you know, we have a new low in the NASDAQ and, and the good news is that let's hope we get that second wave down. And if we get kind of a typical standard bull market based on history, you know, we're, this is the beginning of the second wave. And, you know, like Bill would talk about three waves down. So, um, you know, I really think we're probably further into the, the bear market than most people think. I know that the the correction is on, you know, that's, I was at the gym this morning and saw on the CNBC or the TV, you know, the markets in correction. And right, I thought, right. you know, uh, it, it, cause I think we're finally down, you know, on the S and P 10, 10% uh, mm-hmm. today. So um, I've been saying over and over the, the market's been in a correction of bear market for a while, but the, the average stock is down, you know, a lot. Yeah. Uh, right. I think, I think the stat I saw was half the stocks on the NASDAQ are down 50% or more. And then, you know, it just gets worse and worse down the food chain. So uh, if you're following closely, if you're looking for leadership, most people that, that, you know, I talk to and most people that we talk to kind of realized that it just wasn't much to buy. And so, um, you know, you're just kind of waiting on um, if you're looking for, technology, NASDAQ related stocks. There has been and have been some setups in energy and miners and mining and in metals, et cetera. But, you know, maybe not everyone wants to, to kind of go down that road. Well, and, you know, the other aspect here, too, is not only was there maybe not as many things to buy. As you mentioned, there were some things, especially in energy and all of those cyclicals uh, areas that you just mentioned. But there's also this kind of concept of using the market as a feedback mechanism. And when you're you're throwing some things out there and you're like trying some different things and they, they just aren't working. You know, you're, you're finding the breakouts rolling over. You're not getting much progress uh, or the progress comes and then you know, doesn't last, that's telling you something. Uh, and, and it certainly doesn't mean that you have to either be zero or 100%. There's a lot of room in between um, where you start off small. And if the market is healthy, you start adding to your positions or increasing the number of positions. But if you're not making progress, why put more money out there? Yeah, I, I think it's the fall today signal is kind of misunderstood a little bit in that regard. It's not a zero to 100 signal. If you're cash, now you're 100% invested in the cash account. Or if you're using margin, you you know, it's not a zero to 200. It's a, if you're zero, it's maybe you go to 10% position. Or if you happen to 
the 25% invested, let's say you're one of those really patient people, unlike me, and you've got NVIDIA, or you've got Tesla or Apple or something, and you just don't want to sell it because you have big gains, you kind of earn the right. So you get a follow through day, you know, and you're 25% invested, you, you might not have to do anything. You're already invested. Right, right. Like, wait to see if you get some feedback from the stocks you own. If they're true leaderships, leading stocks, if they should be held, they should advance. And then you can start to, you know, put more points on the board, or I'm sorry, put more more exposure on the board, go from 25 to 35 to 50 or whatever it mm -hmm. might be. So it's never all or none. I, th I think, and I've said a hundred times, all or none decisions put a lot of pressure on you. I, I, I very rarely make an all or none decision when, even when I'm, whether I'm entering or exiting something, the only time I'll make an all or none decision on an exit is if, you know, it's, it's hit my stop, you know, I've, and, and I've, um, ignored other signals down the food chain. So usually, uh, by the time it's hit my stop, I've already reduced some of that stock, some of that position, um, because it's not acting right. So I might go from a thousand shares to 800 mm -hmm. to 500 and then it hits my stop and it's, I'm out. But, mm -hmm. and then we get in the same way. I've always thought, why, why can't I sell the same way that, that we buy, right? You know, we can buy in increments. Why not sell in increments? And, and I, I've always done that because the pressure to make an all or none decision is brutal. You know, if, if I, I like this stock, but uh, the market's not acting well and you sell it. Now you're completely out. And what if it keeps going? So if I sell a little bit of it and it, it starts to come back, well, then at least I have, you know, that, that portion that I haven't sold yet. Mm -hmm. So Arusha for you, I mean, you've got this, you know, CMT, these letters behind your name and, um, a lot of people are maybe looking at where we're at now in the market as being oversold. It almost feels like you're at this rough spot because it's almost, it's almost in some ways, if, if you haven't sold by now, you're kind of too late to sell, but you also might be too early to buy. So what, what do you tell people that, you know, maybe didn't take the actions that they should have uh, previously, um, you know, and you're kind of in that no man's land right now. Yeah, now that's a great question. That's a question that I've heard many years. Uh, if you if you don't cut your losses at eight percent, now you're down thirty percent. And what do you do? The 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 sad reality is that I don't know what to do at that point, right? Because <laughs> yeah. that that's, there's no good answer. <laughs> exactly, and I had to learn that the, this the hard way too. The the first few stocks where I didn't cut it at eight percent, I was in the two thousand bear market, and I rolled them down like seventy percent. Then it finally clicked to me that, oh, that's why they have that 8% stop loss, because it's really hard to know where to get out after that. Um, so so uh, the way I look at it is learn that lesson. At this point, I don't know what, what you can do. Always look for some support area. For me, what I ended up doing, even when I was down 70%, some of those I just ended up cut, cutting, freeing up the cash, and I eventually put it in stocks that were going up in uptrends, and I was able to make that back. Now, going back to that other question about oversold, when you're in really bad markets, that oversold can stay oversold for a long time, which is... And get even more oversold. Yeah. And, and that's a sign when it gets pinned there at oversold, how bad that's actually negative at that point, right? It's not a positive you go and buy it. Mm -hmm. um, so 
full, so even things like that, that's why I kind of really ended up focusing on Can Slim because it simplified everything and it really just and it said, said hey, focus on price and volume because if you start adding too many oscillators, too many indicators in there, you're going to get things conflicting and it's just going to be, at least for me, it started to become too much noise that it was hard to make a decision. So stop losses, risk management, it's always been the most important thing. And then I, I, I've never tried to really project how far markets could go down and things like right. that. I just wait for the fall today and kind of like what we talked about. You try something, you look for something to buy. If there's something to buy, try something, try one or two things. And for those real rallies, the market will slowly pull you in over a few weeks, over a month or so. And, and all of a sudden you'll start to get traction. Yeah. And we didn't get that obviously this time around. That's what I was just going to say is, it, it, you know, you pull up the NASDAQ composite and there were just like these minimal things, you know, we, we couldn't, uh, we couldn't hold above the follow through day. You know, we right. couldn't get above the 21 day moving average line. I mean, we got there briefly and then couldn't hold it. Um, you know, the 50 day and 200 day, I mean, forget about it. Those are, uh, <laughs> those are distant memories at, at this point. So again, I think that there were a lot of reasons to, um, you know, to, to not get heavily invested. And even though, Okay, sure. Okay, this was the undercut today that we got, but we had six days of distribution since the follow through day. So there were a ton of uh, these these situations where you had signals telling you, hey, there's something going on here. Yeah. One one last thing I would say is that it was it, it was as, as you mentioned there, all those distribution days were showing that chances are it's going to fail. I think the fact that we undercut both on the NASDAQ and then S&P and truly ended this kind of rally, right? We undercut the lows. Now we have to reset the count. We're back in a market, in a downtrend marketing correction. Now we just kind of start everything over again. We look for a count. We let day number one, day number two, look for a follow through day. And it just makes it a lot cleaner as opposed to the last couple of weeks where we were in this gray area where it's like, oh, maybe the market might go sideways long enough for spaces to form. Yeah. yeah it's when we come, of, it's sort oh, of go ahead. sorry, Justin, but it's sort of good news that it that it, it undercut, right? Because now you've you've got um, this is how if you study history, this is how lows are made. I don't know when the low is going to come. Um, I don't know how, but historically, lows come when you undercut lows. You get a big washout and then a huge reversal, and we just haven't had that kind of capitulatory washout. I, I know. It, it's been death by a thousand cuts. It's like the NASDAQ goes down 1% every day, it seems. Mm -hmm. And historically, there's a day or two or three where it's, you know, three, four, 5%, a really bad day um, that can help to, you know, that can just wash, you know, uh, wash it clean, clean, sweet broom. And, um, you know, then you can start looking for a potential follow through day. We're probably, I don't think we're close to that, but at least, at least now you, you kind of have that potential setup for uh, another leg lower so that you can have that. Mm -hmm. Or even if we don't go lower, you know, we just might have to put in some time, uh, you know, who knows what, what, what the market's going to bring us. So we'll just have to, again, keep on looking at that price and volume, look at those, uh, you know, follow, wait for that follow through day and 
look at the individual stocks too as, as our indicators. So uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the lessons to get from this latest downturn, uh, some of the selling lessons, and maybe even some of the shorting opportunities there might have been along the way. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Why trade off hope and optimism when you can trade using the world's most powerful indicator? Artificial intelligence has been used by traders to navigate the markets for the past three decades. Visit freestockcoaching.com to see the world-leading AI forecasting software for yourself. Trusted by more than 32,000 traders, AI uses millions of data points to track market trends, giving you the support you need right now. Go to freestockcoaching.com and we'll help you find great opportunities today. Our experts will show you what stocks are setting up for big changes right now. So head over to freestockcoaching.com for a free demo. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. Okay, welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by Vantage Point. It's Justin Nielsen along with Arusha Pires. And our guest this week is Scott St. Clair from MarketSmith. So uh, Scott, uh, you know, one of the things we do a lot around here is the the whole post analysis and um, in, in doing kind of your own post analysis of this latest downturn, uh, what are some of the things you feel like you did well? Uh, what are some of the things that you, you know, wish you had done a little bit differently? Again, hindsight is twenty twenty, So this isn't the idea of, oh, you know, you should have done this. This was obvious. But were there parts of this that were obvious and maybe a little bit easier for you to handle just based on your experience? Well, a little bit. I think if you study history, then you're always flexible and open to the idea that this can happen. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I started in 1995. So I've been through the, you know, the long-term capital crisis management, the 2000 right. bubble, the great financial crisis, you know, COVID. It's just, the market just continues to amaze me, which is why it's so much fun, but so difficult. So I'm, I'm always of the belief that these stocks can do anything. Uh, they can go up. Uh, Tesla, you know, can go up 20 fold or whatever the number is. And then it can go down 72% because that's what stocks do. Mm -hmm. uh, I know a lot of people think, you know, they get stuck in, in these types of things. So, but one thing that I've done in the last few years, at least, is I, I just kind of stay with what's what I do best. One of my favorite quotes and I, I hope I don't butcher who, who quoted it, but it's from market, hedge fund market wizards is uh, do more of what works and less of what doesn't. Mm -hmm. And I think it was Scott Ramsey, but I know it's the book hedge fund market wizards by Jack Schwager, which everybody knows. And so Scott, well, well, let, let me stop you there. Uh, how, how, how did you figure out, how long did it take you to figure out these are the things that I do well at versus these things that I'm just going to get rid of those. A long time, Arusha. Yeah. A long time. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, I mean, how much time do we have? I know, I know. <laughs> it's crazy. I, I, I don't know if I've told the the story on a podcast, but I think I've told on IBD Live. But the first time I went to the, the Kanslow Master's program and Charles Harris spoke, and he said, you know, I've never had a long-term capital gain. Right. And the room is, yeah, there had to be 200 people in the room, and everybody just roared with laughter except me because i was like oh my gosh i've never had a long-term capital gain either because i've never held something the 12-month window or whatever and it was very enlightening for me because i was like ah oh, you know here's the guy charles and he had shown his track record and you know he runs money for william o'neill he's a portfolio manager and that's he you know at least at the 
what I could observe from him, he, we traded, you know, sort of similar. So that was, um, that, that was a relief because I, I've always kind of felt like, gosh, how come I've never had an Apple or a Google or, you know, some of these pick and save like Bill has. And it's just, just my personality just get wiggled out along the way. It's, it's, you know, they just don't go up in a straight line, unfortunately. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, if a stock goes from a hundred to 200 from, you you think, well, that's a hundred points, but it probably moves 500 points if in that, yeah, in that yes, move. Yep, and yep. it just somewhere along the lines would get me. So I've just always been a seller, at least trimming into strength. I just been doing it. And I know in 2017, it hurt me because the market would just stair step, stair step, stair step. Mm -hmm. And I underperformed um, the, the NASDAQ that year. I think the NASDAQ was up like 30 some percent. And, and I was, you know, 500 basis points less than the NASDAQ or something. I was less than the market because mm -hmm. I would trim. And the, the one thing about the market, it, it's always fully invested, right? So it's, right, right. Yeah. It's, <laughs> so if you have sell rules and you get out because you get a sell signal and, but in the market comes back, but you're, you know, you're under invested, so to speak. So in the last few years, I've just gotten comfortable with it. You know, this is what I do and, and I underperform. That's that I'm okay with it. And in in 2020 was was fine because there was so much merchandise i could get out of something and uh and move on to another name so that 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 didn't hurt me like it, uh 2017 but uh this year having sell rules and and the partly i think really honestly in the last half of last year as well it might not seem like it for the indexes but the the, the markets, the, the turbulence, the problem with the market has been a long time coming. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you, you, you're like the boy who cried wolf if you have a sell rule, you know. Because, <laughs> right. You know, the one thing about having a big winner, if you're going to hold something like an NVIDIA or Google or something, you're going to have to ignore a number of sell signals along the way <laughs> until the final sell signal, which which works. And then it's like, well, how come I didn't get out? Well, you didn't get out because you ignored some of the other sell signals along the way. So uh, I would just rather not ignore it, knowing that, you know, I can always get back in. Maybe it's going to be or, or probably at a higher price, but I'm okay with that. So I just do better like that. So I've just found that if, you know, if I don't, let's say I buy something at 100 and it goes to 130 and and I'm just going to be a seller on the way to 130 because I've reviewed and looked back and found like, let's say it went to 140, but there was a sharp break in the market down to 125 or something. A lot of times I was selling at 125. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sure. Yeah. I was getting even scared, you know, right. so I was better off taking 130, you know, that's a, you know, that was a better price in, in the long run and you can stack those on top of each other. Mm hmm and did you did you just kind of do um you know an analysis of all of your trades or did you just kind of go by feel uh were you looking at hard numbers what what kind of finally convinced you hey this is this is what works for me i i think there's a lot of personality in there i just think it was what i was most comfortable with also i might have been 
trained to do that because I, for the longest time, this, uh, this is the first kind of real job I've ever had. I, and I, I was a stockbroker for a lot of years, but it was strictly, you know, commission based. It was old school commission based business. You know, you eat what you kill. And I started to get some money in the market and was doing this and really was making my living from the market. And so when you're doing that, you kind of get in this mentality of you got to make money every month or every quarter. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you, you just develop these habits of, you know, I've got to always be in the, the stocks that are moving. I can't, I don't, I can't afford to sit through a base. So if I think the stocks, you know, short-term extended, I would get out and look for the next name. And, and, and so, you know, some of that is, is just kind of a little bit of personality, but some of it, maybe it's just a lot of years of doing that. And so I've tried to, to retrain myself and I've gotten a little bit better. Partly one of the reasons I wanted to come work at William O'Neill and company and IBD was, is kind of get back on that bike to, you know, maybe, uh, relearn the rules and, and, um, unlearn some bad habits that I had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Scott. Now, one thing that, and, and we've known each other for for a long, long time, and worked very closely together for a long time. One one thing that I was always impressed with you, especially when these markets were starting to turn, you were able to shift that mindset to going long to going short, and 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 you did it again uh, this time around. How how do you manage that balance? Because I've always found it really hard to switch. And so the for me personally, and this is one thing that took many years for me to learn is for, for the most part, I'm kind of more long only when markets get tough, I'm going to go most of the sidelines. Maybe I'll do a little bit shorting of the indexes and stuff like that. But how do you balance that by going long and then shift that mindset to now you're going to short? Yeah, it was experience. It kind of the, the time frame that I, that I came up in the markets, you know, I started in 1995 and if you look at a monthly chart of the NASDAQ, it's like, oh my gosh, just right. started right. <laughs> I opened my, my, my own personal account in March of 1995 and it was just yeah, nothing right. but up. Yep. Um, so, you know, I, I just was trading and trading and man, I was an active trader. I was really, you know, moving around full margin all the time. Sometimes, you know, I, you know, the story, Risha, sometimes yeah. more than full margin because yes, back then yes. they didn't have the checks and balances that they do now. <laughs> right. So I would literally go home Forex stocks because uh -huh. I was, didn't know any better. You know, that, that stock looks great. What, you know, why do I not want to own four times my account in it? <laughs> and and I'm sure can... at that point, your salary was basically paying for your commission. So <laughs> I was my best customer as a stockbroker <laughs> right. by far, by far. Uh -huh. It was, uh, yeah, because back then you had to, you know, pay commissions. So, um, so I was very active doing this and, and I was, like I said, I was making my living from doing this. And then in 2000, just dumb luck or whatever, but I was able to recognize that, you know, not at the top, but I just knew that it was a bubble. I, I, I know that sounds crazy, but I did. And, and it just was a matter of, you know, I just knew I was making too much money. The people around me were making too much money and it, it was going to end. And I didn't know it was going to go down 90%, but I knew it was going to end. So in 2000, 
I started getting short because I knew that it was going to end and I was a student of history. And I thought history says this can go down a lot. There's potential for it to go down a lot. So I made the most money I've ever made in my life in 2000. Not the greatest percentage wise, because I had a little bit more money in 2000 than I had in 1995. 1995 is the greatest percentage I'll I'll ever have. Mm -hmm. But um, I made the most money in 2000 which has been a blessing and a curse, to be honest with you, Arusha. Yeah, yeah. Because when you get the short side right, it's fast, it's furious, and, you know, the and you can get, you know, the NASDAQ's not going to be up 6% one day, unlikely, right? Right. But when you're in the short, in an environment where the market's in bad shape, like it is now, it, it can be down 6% or, you know, something. And, and if you're short, the names that, you know, our, our high beta, high alpha stocks, they, you know, they can be down 10, 12, 15 percent. Right. Yep. So, you know, I I made, you know, that that feeling of being able to make that kind of money, like I said, honestly, honestly, it's a blessing and a curse. So um, I've just had that kind of switch where, you know, I want to I know it, I like, oh, you can make a lot of money from being short, but it's um i've also learned that it's you know there's been some i've had my worst days in my trading life from being short um overstaying my welcome Mm -hmm. so i was short fannie mae and uh the government came out and and i don't even remember what the news was that you weren't allowed to short stocks or they were going to backstop it or i don't know what the news was but i'll never forget watching that stock go up 20 percent in about an hour (laughs) yeah and i was Uh frozen the whole way Uh so um you can you have to short sides a very difficult um animal but i think it that i developed uh this the style and the strategy and the uh is it probably would be from you know 2000 from from Mm -hmm. trading that 2000 top well, now to put that into present day, uh, what we had here, and and this is this is fairly common. You you don't go straight down a lot of times. You'll you'll come down. You'll have these rallies, um, and you you really have to kind of gauge this concept of when when does it become too obvious? When when is the pendulum shifted too much the other way? So maybe you could walk us through, and and maybe you know you could use a individual stock if you want, or maybe just use the Nasdaq to kind of talk about some of these concepts because i know one of the things i've really respected on ibd live that you've done is you've been very spot on in terms of hey this is where i'm covering my shorts because now it's you know now it's a little bit too obvious we're undercutting these lows and 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 so on so could you walk us through a little bit of the the present day uh on how you've been handling things yeah one of the things about shorting that's even so difficult too is that you can't turn the charts upside down and say okay it's breaking out of a reverse cup with handle that's mm-hmm. the time to short that's not the time to short in my opinion that's the time to start covering so you need to short into strength which is very difficult because uh you know you're shorting into strength and there could be a couple of days where you have to learn to endure a lot of pain because mm-hmm. you know if the market's up if, if I'm shorting into some moving averages on the NASDAQ, uh, like it's rallying, I might, if you're a day or two early, you know, you, you could be down two, three, 4% uh, 
uh, on the indexes. And if you're if you're on the uh, the individual stocks, it, you know, it could be it could be worse for sure. So that's what makes it hard is you got to short into strength um, and then you need to cover on weakness when it looks obvious. So like now we're undercutting the lows and, you know, maybe today um, might be one day too early, but like I only have one short left as we sit here because I've covered shorts, you know, for the last three days, I've taken off names uh, into the weakness. So um, tomorrow, like if it was, if we had like a really bad washout day, then I probably won't be short anymore. So you, you can't, you, you, ha you have to, when it's breaking these lows right here, it seems like, oh, that looks like a short. That look, you know, we're breaking support. But my experience is uh, that's when you're, you, you can get run over. So you have to, you have to be careful shorting like that. You, you almost have to kind of just go against your emotions at that point, right? Where, you're you're seeing like today is a perfect example you just kept seeing the market getting worse and worse and worse and you're like oh this is it's breaking support you're you this is the time everyone's going to give up and it's just too late you know that because I, I found it the hard way where i used to do that it's like it would right here would be where i'd short and i just get run over in a few days um and wondering what why why is it not going it broke support yeah i i was with about a half hour to go i thought man we're gonna the market's going to close in the lows. We're going to cut the low. And my thinking is tomorrow's going to be a bad day and I want to be short, you know? So I was, I pulled up, I was going to buy SQQ, which, which is the, the reverse of the NASDAQ um, for my IRAs. It's triple reverse, right? And um, because an IRA, you can't go short. If you want to be short in an IRA or a Roth, and, and I do, I, I sometimes feel like you have to use these inverse ETFs. So I, I pulled it up and, and was about to put the short on because I'm like, it's, it's, uh, this, this is going lower. And I didn't do it. I, I, I just, I didn't pull the trigger because it's like, it goes against everything I've just said. It's, it's, mm -hmm it's the time to be short was two, three, four days ago, uh, before you get this wash. Now, could it be up a dollar tomorrow or, or something like that? Yeah. But I'm, I want to deal in probabilities and the risk reward. And so to me, the, the risk reward wasn't, wasn't skewed in my favor by taking the short now, uh, even though I feel like, you know, we're going to go lower. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you kind of, put into all of this analysis the whole geopolitical the the rate hikes the the wall of worry that's going on out there um it, it, it's that something you pay attention to at all or are you just really looking at the charts i don't want to say i don't pay attention because you can't help but notice it like I, mm -hmm. I on twitter i like to use twitter for sentiment um i like to see if people are talking about the stocks i own because if they are then i want out because then i know that it's short term a short term uh uh wiggle it could be likely you know and so i'm aware of what's going on but you know wow you talk about above my pay grade it's just totally impossible so uh and we'll talk about it maybe in the next segment but i am long gold and there must be some 
obviously the geopolitical tensions have, there must be something built into that price. Uh, I've been long at before this occurred. And so I felt like it was going up before I kind of, you know, knew what was going on in, in, you know, Ukraine, but I can't ignore the fact that some of that strength has to be attributed to that. And that if that, if the tensions were to end, uh, you know, what would happen to, to mm-hmm. gold? You know, I have to, I have to, I know that it probably would be down. So then I have to say, okay, I kind of think, well, how much would it be down and can I handle it being down? And, and so, yeah, you, you have to think about it, but most of my, um, my analysis is just going to be, you know, price and volume and the narrative and the Fed is an important narrative for sure. It's it's one tier lower on my um, pay grade as far as Ukraine and Russia. I, I might know the, the understand the Fed a little bit better than that, but the Fed is an important, huge factor in stocks and has been my entire career. And Marty Zweig, you know, don't fight the Fed is one of the first things i learned you know when mm-hmm. when when uh i think even bill has it the quote in his yeah. his book so i've been negative in to this because as the backdrop prices are going down and you, the the fed is they just doesn't look like they're going to capitulate just yet now at some point they might capitulate you know and then you have to change kind of like with uh, the whole, you know, 2020 and 2018, the Fed exactly. taper tantrum mm-hmm. and, and all of right. that. You, you have to be aware of it, but I'm, I, you don't want to be, I don't want to try to guess what the Fed's going to do. And I definitely don't want to try to guess what, you know, is going to happen in, in Russia slash Ukraine. Uh, so I just, I'm just going to go with, you know, kind of what they say the Fed says they're going to raise rates. So I'm going to until I see action that tells me, wait a second, the market's acting contrary to what they think the Fed is going to do. Then I'll just keep that in the back of my mind as, as you know, as part of my playbook. Mm-hmm. Well, when we come back, we're going to get a little bit more into what your playbook looks looks like right now. So make sure you all stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. Kicking yourself for that early exit? You can prevent them, and it's easier than you think. Go to freestockcoaching.com to see the tool independent traders are using to perfect their trades, artificial intelligence. AI doesn't involve staring at your screen for hours, and no research is needed. Just pick a stock and press a button. Visit freestockcoaching.com to see a live demo now. You need to be ready for rapid market changes, and AI can help you avoid potential losses. Check out freestockcoaching.com to learn more. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. Okay, welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by Vantage Point. It's Justin Nielsen here along with Arusha Paris and our guest, Scott St. Clair. So, Scott, uh, before the break, you were talking a little bit about how you had a position in gold. So uh, maybe we could start with GLD, which is an ETF that kind of goes over the spot price of gold. Uh, why why this one? And do you look at the gold miners too? Or is it just really about the, the price of the commodity itself here? Well, mostly it's going to just be price action. It's going to be like 90% of my analysis. You know, like I mentioned previously, I from a macro standpoint, uh, it's very, very little goes into my decision making. But the price is just acting abnormally good. 
uh, gold has gone up and gone down and gone up and gone down and more people out. And, and, uh, and so maybe there's a possibility that it can go up a lot. Right. And so I want to, as a general rule with everything you buy, whether it's gold or Twilio or Google, you want, you want a chance to make a lot if you're right and lose a little if you're wrong. So the, the relative strength line is really shooting up. The relative strength rating is 86. Uh, I, I was for the, the, in the, the break here, I would think we were saying, I don't think it's ever been that high. I don't know for sure, but I would venture a guess. It's never had an RS rating of 86. Now remember it's relative, right? Because since everything pretty much is going down and gold is, you know, going up a little, it's relative to everything else. It's really shooting up. So I just, I, I think there's a potential for a huge move here. And if I'm wrong, uh, and you know, barring a, a, a gap down where I can't honor my stop, like I'd like, uh, I'm risking a little to make a lot, and and that's what you should be doing all of the time, whether it's gold or XYZ or any of the other stocks that I mentioned. And, and can we just define what what to you is a lot? You know, a, a move for gold here. It's a good question because I'm I'm going to you know if it if it ran to twenty five hundred you you know I would be out way before that, mm -hmm. but I'm also using um, a much larger position size than than most people. Like for me, and a normal position would be ten percent of my portfolio. I, I'll even go to thirty percent. Uh, I don't go much further than that. I think a few months ago, I can't even remember what it was. Oh, I think it was CF. Uh, anyways, mm -hmm. I had a, I was at almost 40%. I don't remember if it was CF or not, but it just made me really uncomfortable. And so I'll, I, I, that's the kind of feedback I need to know what the right position size is. So this is a pretty good size position. And, and for most people, you know, 10, 15, 20% is just unheard of. They would never do right. that, but I've been doing this a long time. So I'm super comfortable in, in that kind of uh, sphere of, of uh, exposure because I know that I'm going to get out quickly uh, if I'm wrong. So um, I, I have one of my favorite sayings, another one, I know I mentioned I'm big on sayings as Arusha knows is, is, I have it pasted to my board everywhere. It says courage, patience, imagination, and execution. And the imagination is is really imagine that it can go up a lot. Like I, I have, you know, if the people that made so much money in Tesla, they really imagined that it was going to do what it did, right? And and so you have to kind of have this imagination that it can go up a lot or the opposite, you know, that it, it can protect you as well. <laughs> yeah, right. If you have the imagination that it can go down a, a lot if something goes bad. So I would say, you know, 20, 25%, if, if I captured that with the position size that I have, uh, I would be really, really happy about it. No, I mean, that, that can definitely add up to a lot. Now, Scott, with, with uh, gold here, at, at least with the GLD, what was it, were you entering it as it was getting past that 173 area, that short-term resistance within the, the flat base? Yeah, and 211 is the day I entered the trade. And I own okay. calls, uh, I own options. Yeah, that's what, so that looks like exactly what I'm I I'm even more, you know, yep. levered to the price when you own options. So 
Yeah, that's that's the um, the day uh, okay. two eleven. And and maybe you could talk a little bit about this long base that's on the monthly chart. Uh, so you know, some people would look at that and say, "Hey, this is this is something that just hasn't gone anywhere for years." So what to you makes it look like, "Hey, now now's its time to shine." Um, they are right. Yeah, that hasn't gone anywhere for years, right? And it's it's basically at the twenty eleven peak. Uh, GLD topped around 185, and here we are at 178. So in the last 11 years, you know, it hasn't exceeded that, that high. Uh, but that's the idea that maybe it could take off from out of the space. I like to look at monthly charts a lot uh, mm -hmm. when I'm buying something, because if it's the coming out, the beginning of a long sideways price action, maybe something has changed right like if if a gold is if all of a sudden it's in gl using gld as a proxy 180 185 200 the market is telling me that something has changed and so there's possibility that that change could be really huge so um that it hasn't gone a whole lot but all the relative strength is starting to turn up and that you know the rating is much higher so i'm thinking that that this is that maybe there's a setup here that it could be more timely, especially if I'm going to use call options right now. They're long dated. They're they'll they're uh, all the way out till uh, August or July of this year, and I can always roll them if I want. But mm -hmm. anyways, um, yeah, I'm, I need I'm I need a catalyst right, and so the you know the catalyst uh, would be bear market, and you know that maybe we're in or. Um, you know, Fed tightening cycle that goes awry, anything can happen. It, nothing I could ever predict. I just have to be there and, and, and follow the price action. Yeah, well, I mean, it's gone up. If you look back like at 2019, it's gone up like 50, 60%. Right. And over the last year and a half, it's held most of those gains. So it, there is a little bit of a character change here. And then you look at the larger part, it could be breaking out of this monster couplet handle. And gold is, if you follow gold at all, it's just disappointed people forever. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Even the gold bugs hate gold, you know? Yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> so that that appeals to me a little bit. The contrarian in me is like, gosh, nobody likes gold. You know, Bitcoin's the new gold. And yeah. so it's like, if nobody likes it, why is it going up? And that, 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 um, that appeals to me. But, you know, it's a little bit off the reservation from what, you know, we normally do the can slam. There's no earnings. There's no sales. It's a pet rock. Believe me, I know all of it. I know all of it. You don't have to at me about it. I understand. <laughs> and, and if it goes down, I'm going to get out and, you know, take a small loss. At this point, maybe I, I could lock in a small profit or something if it doesn't work, you know. So I get it. But it, it, it's it's that's what appeals to me is the potential for, a really big move be you know based on the fact that nobody likes it and the price is moving the wrong way somebody's pushing the price mm -hmm. so in kind of a similar vein maybe we could take a look at ewz now this is a, a brazilian etf so it's kind of keeping track of uh, brazilian stocks it's an index made up of brazilian stocks and this is another one if you kind of go back to the monthly chart on this um this this really hasn't done anything since the the great financial crisis of 2008 um it's it's, it's kind of been in this this long-term um 
you know, consolidation. And I, I mean, I remember uh, before that, you know, you, you had all of the buzz was about the brick nations, right? You know, um, so what what's attractive to you right now about EWZ? Because this is another one that you said that you've been following. Yeah, I do own this one as well. And I have an analog that I came across that makes me think this could go on another long move. And it's an ETF, so it'll be a little bit slower. I've got to temper my enthusiasm for normally how I trade. But um, if you look at EWZ right on a weekly chart, and okay, great, thank you. You can, it's This is week seven, uh, today's Wednesday. But And if you backdate a NASDAQ chart, to let's say May 1st of 2009, the start of the, this massive, I guess, you know, cyclical bull market we've been in that maybe is ending. The NASDAQ did the same thing, went two, four, six, nine weeks up in a row, yeah. and then ran right into that 40 week, right where if it's a bear market rally, it should, it should lose steam. It should get hit right there. Right. You can also see the three waves down, which is perfectly displayed here from, you know, 2155, you rally, then you 1295, you try to rally and then you undercut that low, which is that three waves down I mentioned earlier, but you, you run into a little bit of resistance here, but then you go on a, a, a long bull market. So, you know, commodities and these areas are, have just been way underinvested, way, um, underexposed to capital for years and years and years. I, I saw a, a chart of, you know, tech spending and CapEx for tech and CapEx for commodities. You know, it's the old alligator jaws. And so it's the, it's, again, it's a risk reward trade. I, I think if it's the start of something big I, big, I can risk a little to make a lot. I think I don't even think it was down today. It was up six cents today. So as the market getting hammered, it's just kind of sitting there refusing to go down. Yeah. Uh, and so that, you know, if you're going to play and, and I like to play, you know, I take, take this seriously. I don't know if plays the right word, but I love the markets and I have a, a, a hard time stepping away sometimes. So I'm always, looking for areas to to be invested and so if you're going to be invested you, you know you, you can't be in the nasdaq right now that, that area is just under fire uh there but there are areas that are that are holding up or trying to okay so let's go ahead and now this isn't necessarily related but we'll go to rio now uh, which of course is a, a metal miner um so rio tinto this is a uk-based company ticker symbol rio um this is another one that again a lot of these cyclical names have been where the action has been lately so walk us through a little bit of what's attracting you to rio set up you actually have a pivot point you can buy if you want to there's a really large cup of handle here but the relative strength you know is the rs line is almost new highs and the rs rating is 88 and it's just outside that universe of tech and so if if this market gets really bad if we go into a longer term downtrend there's a lot of of money out there tons of it that that has to find a home mm -hmm. um we don't always like i'm if i'm running my own money i can be in cash if i want or i can be 20 percent invested and i and you know i i don't know what arusha's mandate is but i know some of his 
I would imagine some of the institutional money he runs, he can, he can be on the sidelines, but very few people have that luxury, you know, in the institutional world. So some stuff will hold up and, you know, it'll try to, and and money's going to go where it's treated best. And and if these, if this area, uh, if we're in a, a long potential boom, if, if, you know, history repeats in 2000 tech topped and what happened, right? You had a huge, uh, emerging market boom, commodities boom, the potashes of the world went crazy. Uh, so you could have that type of uh, potential setup. And so if it's it's an area where, you know, if you're looking to put money to work, it seems like the, the money's being treated best in these ones. Yeah, I just pulled up the, the monthly chart in Rio and, and it looks like it's, you know, setting up to emerge out of a monster base here too. Yeah, it's it's probably I don't know if it's ever been maybe yeah, I was in the 80s uh, 80s in May of right. uh, 2007 right before the crisis 2008 yeah. So again, uh, you know, if, if if the market's telling you something when it, you know, partly go back to Bill's, you know, all-time highs, you know, I I when stocks or markets or whatever it is when they make a new high in price, it's a signal that something potentially has changed. And it's the toughest signal to take because we're, you know, we're not used to uh, that price. It, I, I find that, you know, I see that people want to buy stocks on the way down. And it, as hard as it is to believe, I think, and in, in even uh, the statisticians, uh, there's a guy I follow that, uh, I read a couple of his books that prove that stocks are actually safer at higher prices. You know, so it's crazy to think that, but yeah. Tesla was was much safer at 700 on the way up than it is at 700 <laughs> right. on the way down. That's an interesting way to look so at it. So when yeah. when Tesla first made its great the first time it ever hit 700, you, you know, there there was there was a little risk but a huge potential runway. Now it's the reverse. I see people that want to buy this on the way down because they love the company, um, et cetera. They can but get it on the cheap now. Yeah, it's 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 so much more riskier here at 700 on the way down than uh, versus on the way up. Yeah, so, I, I should mention that I do have a tiny amount of Tesla still just just trying to get a feel for it and it's not a very good feeling right now and a lot of people do which is yeah a lot of people charles uh i don't know i assume he still has his position but it, i think tesla if we're going to go down the tesla road is is the poster child for this bull market such an important stock for sure and and i and it, i it's been a very good barometer for me for mm-hmm. for trading the markets because i watch that one closely and i'm in it a lot uh, usually on the other side of everybody else, which is short, but uh, it when when the last few months Tesla has not been able to rally in, and so it, it's told me that you know if, if Tesla can't go up, then nothing's going to go up, and, it, and that's why you should be following these leaders. Yeah, I think that's a really important concept for everyone to to hear is you know watching those leaders and how they behave. I, I remember even. With with, uh, the, with Google, when they reported earnings and they had the earnings gap and it was breaking out of this consolidation past 3,000, that was one that I was watching very closely to see how are they going to treat one of the, the big stocks in the market 
after a good earnings report and we found out very quickly they're not going to treat it well and so that was telling you a lot about the the overall market right there there's a lot of uh, wisdom in watching stocks that are leaders that you don't own yep um, <laughs> yeah right you that a lot of people don't realize how, how much feedback you can get from uh, I almost said Alphabet. I'm going to call. I always call Google, but Google, Nvidia, Tesla, Apple, uh, Facebook, PayPal. Yep. And, and you go all the way back to December. I was looking. You know, December third uh, when DocuSign uh, blew oh, yes. up. Yep. I mean, yep. that was December third of last year. That was oh. a really bad omen for the market. That you know that stock was down forty percent on a gap in one day. Yes. And. So when you see that, you should you should say, "Whoa, wait a second. You know that that's unusual price action the wrong way. Maybe there's more risk in the market than than I than I see because at that very moment, the Nasdaq or and especially the S and P is probably pushing uh, brand new highs. Yeah, the S and P was uh, was forty. 700 you know on its way to 4800 when that when that happened yep so and and these are things that is you get you can you can learn them the hard way which most of us will do <laughs> right or you can go back and study history uh which will help but in my experience you'll still have to learn it the hard way uh because and you're gonna have to learn it the hard way more than once unfortunately i i don't know why i've i've made all the the uh amateur mistakes more than once you'd think well one time should be enough right but it's I wish it that was emotions creep in and yeah. this time will be different famous yeah, last words i don't know it doesn't seem to be but you know there's there's two ways to learn and and the 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 cheaper way is to is to study history and see uh what's happened before and and, and try to um, learn from that Mm -hmm. but maybe the one that sticks with you is the one that hurts the most so well you feel it more when it <laughs> Which is why I'm a big proponent of skin in the game, of being in the markets, of of if there's a follow through day and you're at zero, put on a small position because I just think the feedback is so much exponentially greater when you have a position versus paper trading or just mm -hmm. watching. Or, you know, I just find it. It's, I just don't feel it have that same feel when I'm on the sidelines. Mm -hmm. Well, great, uh, great advice for people and a lot of uh, lessons to kind of learn from this. So thank you very much, Scott, for showing up on the on the show again. So always great, great to have you. Thank you, guys. We'll see you later. Okay, wonderful. And uh, next week, keep in mind that we are going to have Pedro Palandrani back on the show. He is a research analyst at Global X ETFs. Uh, last time we got his take on infrastructure and EV uh, lithium plays and all of that battery technology. So it'll be interesting to check in with him and see what kind of thematic investing he's seeing on his horizon. So make sure you come back for that. Thanks for watching today and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.